travel show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the travel episode. Yeah. Yeah. How's how's your week been? Any any fun tidbits and exciting stories uh, to tell the people? Nothing really new, man. Just uh, I oh I said this once uh, offline, but like mm-hmm. I feel bad because I was not looking forward to reading non Donovex uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. But the two books that I did get to read for this episode, I ended up really liking. So like. I need to have a little more faith in my 616. In Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That's good. That's awesome. Uh-huh. In non-Hickman comics creators. Yeah. <laughs> Which they exist. They and do. They do. They do plenty of good work. Yeah, hell yeah for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of mentioned before, whole week has been the travel, the travel episode. And it was a real trip being on a plane, you know, yeah, and just kind of navigating the world. But. You know, getting back here, seeing my family, seeing you, you know, friends and so on, just really, it obviously makes the travel work worth it, but it, it makes the last year of just being like, oh God, what the hell is next? You know, just like all the sacrifices and all of the like being diligent and making sure that you're being safe and, you know, mm-hmm. mi- mitigating and minimizing risk. It really really makes all of that feel a lot more worth it as well so yeah for sure feels good to be safe and vaccinated and seeing friends and family people that i love absolutely yeah so we said a bit of a bit of a shorter episode in a strange reversal of fortune (laughs) don't have a whole lot to get through this week i know right (laughs) so strange i only read watch we still we still record for three hours yeah. anyway. Yeah. I only read 13 issues of comics and I'm like, well, we have a little bit to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I read eight, something like that. It's what it is. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Well, you want to start um, us off? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. So, first one was Runaways, uh, volume five, Cannon Fodder. Uh huh. So, the Runaways were introduced, gosh. Back when I first started getting back into comics, around like 2006, 2007, yeah. it was back when Avengers had disassembled, mm-hmm. um, and like Civil War was a thing, there's no no current Avengers, and Young Avengers came out, and so like there's this new like introduction of young superheroes. Yeah. So, uh, there's also a Hulu show. Um, there is now the runaways now yeah Yeah. uh i think it went for three seasons but anyway the um general breakdown of the runaways you are introduced to these preteens and teens they're uh you get introduced to six of them and their parents are all friends for some reason they meet once a year and uh so the kids are like forced friends kind of thing Mm -hmm. be like here you know nathan come and hang out with jessica you both played baseball when you were kids right like that (laughs) and you come to find out that the parents are part of this organization called the pride they are all super villains uh well not super villains they're all villains or supposedly bad people and each couple has their like quirk like one's a family of sorcerers one is a family of tech people one's a family of time travelers one's mutants aliens uh two yeah another couple aliens yeah so you just kind of get introduced to them the kids find out that their meeting involves sacrificing some young person to somebody you come to find out that it's these 
giant alien invaders that are going to sacrifice the planet. Giant, like, 20 feet tall, not giant like Galactus Giant. (laughs) (laughs) It's important to have a sense of scale. Exactly. (laughs) And in the big climax, you know, people die, there's twists, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you come to find out that the parents in the past... When they formed the Pride because they met these aliens, they they convinced them to come back later. They said, okay, we're going to come back in, I think it's like 15 years. And because you 12 have uh, convinced us to wait, we will save six of you when we destroy your planet or vanquish humanity or whatever their plan is. And so the Pride... And so they decided, instead of having to figure out which one of us from each family is going to survive. Let's each have one child and we will save our kid. So ends up being an interesting story twist kind of thing. After that climax, they actually run away <laughs> and um, hence the name, hence the name. And then they like bring on other young quote unquote children of other villains uh, like Victor Mancha. He is, he's an, Ultron? I thought he was a Doombot. He's a Doombot? No. no, they also had a Doombot. They also had a Doombot. They had a My Doombot. Uh, uh, they have Victor, who was created as an Ultron thing. Oh, that's right, because he was um, also in the Vision series. Yeah, he, well, he was he was in Vision. He was also on Avengers AI, right, which is the right, Avengers right, team right. led by Hank Pym. Right. They had a Doombot. Yeah. It was interesting to a degree, but it wasn't amazing. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, Adrian Alfona, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a fun story. It wasn't mind blowing, but anyway. So I'm reading it now, and I'm having a good time with it. The, um, the new one, yeah. So this new one is written by Rainbow Rowell and Andres Genelet and Chris Anka. But um, this new Runaways volume takes place, you know, years after that, and you have one of the kids used the time travel thing to go back and save his girlfriend who died in the first climax Mm. and jumped her to the current time. So she's a, she's a soul at a time and she's trying to find her new place in this world. And, um, in doing that, when they went back in time, they found out that the gibberum, the the name of the alien race is like the gibberum or something. Yeah. starts with GIB. They ended up orphaning a young gibberum, who's like 10 feet tall and they're like you can stay with us because we're all runaways and orphans and so the current team doesn't have the mobster family's kid but it has victor la mancha okay and it has jib they call him gib or jib i've never heard it pronounced in person sure (laughs) it's only ever been spelled so it's up to everyone's interpretation right (laughs) but um yeah, so it's got them, and they meet this guy, Doc Justice, who is, like, L.A.'s go-to non-powered hero. Okay. And uh, he kind of brings them in. You find out that he's been following the Pride for, like, ever. Even though the parents died, the organization still lives, and it's still kind of doing its thing. It's got its fingers and everything. And so Doc Justice has this whole legacy of fighting for the little man. He has no powers, and so he's, like, mm. an inspiration to those that want to do something but don't have the ability to, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And so it's seven issues, which is rare. It's usually five or six. Right, yeah. And so it goes through this entire thing with, with Doc Justice. He's rich. He kind of reminds me of, like, a friendly Batman. Mm. Because, so he's rich, he has no powers, he dresses up, he has, he has an assistant, his name is Matthew, 
and he spent some time over the last 50 years he's been doing this he has like had other sidekicks and like there's like a kid justice and then everyone had a different play on the word justice on their names. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but so like he's had different teams and different rosters but they've all like tragically died oh um huh yeah and so this girl the denominator here is yeah and you find this out like on like issue four or whatever right um and so Gert, who her parents were the time travelers, yeah. she's the one who got brought back from the past. Yeah, she I like Gert. Yeah, I'm glad she's. Yeah, she doesn't have any combat ability. Yeah, and so she gets put. She gets benched basically while everyone else goes and fights with Doc Justice. Mm-hmm. And so she spends time trying to figure out like where have all the other heroes gone? What's going on with this? Yeah, and you find out that they all have these like death during duty death on the job kind of stories which they like pepper in these little things like uh while doc justice is talking to matthew his uh, assistant he's like yeah imagine the ratings this that and the other thing so he's like trying to get these like movie deal tv deals to try to keep the money coming in kind of a thing and if this next deal doesn't come through they're not gonna be able to live the life that they're living sure this that and the other and so get these little snippets and scenes of like he has ulterior motives. And then by the last issue, you find out that like he has orchestrated all these sidekick deaths because after the first one, he gained so much stardom of like oh. the tragedy of Doc Justice and what the blonde bombshell, I forget right. her name, what she meant to Doc Justice and all this stuff. And so the public kind of gathered around Doc Justice and supported him through this time of grief. And, and so, so he just decided that would keep working for him? So he has yeah, so his mentality behind everything and his heroics and the people that he recruits has warped to I'll set them up, I will train them, I will kill them, and I will be the survivor, and I will have this tragic story that the public will love, and they will follow me, and they will uplift me, and I will get the money from it. Sounds like a dark commentary on the comic book yeah in general right it was so interesting like yeah as i kept on reading i was like oh my god like i thought i thought he was gonna be some basic bs story sure mustache twirler yeah, yeah. and as he was talking about like think about the movie deals yada yada oh yeah um i, I got flashbacks to the new warriors because oh. the new warriors they at the time they had this was the civil war era new yeah. warriors so new warriors had a live show they had a reality show. they had a reality, reality tv, TV show. show and very, very early 2000s yeah commentary going on yeah there. they yeah. had a reality tv show and they were about to go bust a house of of baddies and right before speedball is on camera saying think of the ratings if we get this because there was like four of them in there and they're like i don't know do we have the training for this blah blah, blah. he's like yeah but think of how good it's going to be yeah. And it's on camera. Then they go in, and Nitro escapes, and Speedball goes and catches Nitro, shoves him up against a school bus, and Nitro is hopped up on MGH, the mutant growth hormone, and so he's losing his mind, and Nitro explodes and kills 624 people, and the entire buildup was caught on tape, and so this 
uh, reality superhero team just brought up the entire superhero registration act and all this other ridiculousness. Yeah. So I got flashes of that while Doc Justice is like, think of the TV show deals we'll get. And I was like, oh no. And then they do this whole like arc of just, he creates tragedy to keep himself relevant. Yeah. Was really interesting. Right. And so that was a crazy read. And it ends with Doc Justice dying and Alex Wilder, who was the kid who supposedly who died, and we don't know exactly how he came back. Uh, was he the one who stayed bad? Yeah. Okay. He was the mole in the group in the original. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 And so he was the brains of the operation. His right. Par- his parents were kind of the head of the pride, quote unquote. Uh huh. Um, but they were also um, they were they were like the mob bosses of the okay. pride organization. Sure. Sure. Uh, whereas everyone else had their like quirk. They were just like mob boss, kingpin kind of thing. Yeah. And so they've spent the last three of the four volumes before this kind of exploring the antagonistic, how did he come back, mm. Alex Wilder arc. Okay. Um, cool. I think there's a deal with some sort of devil involved. Why not? Right? Of course. Um, I kind of forget, but he's just been the guy that shows up at the end a lot. And so they haven't explored too much of it yet. Okay. <laughs> so, so it ends with Alex picking up Doc Justice's helmet. Oh. And that's like the last um, sweet cell. So, could be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the the overall story was su- super surprising, and and I'm here for it. So another thing that I really liked about Runaways, and it's a sh- it's a shout out to Andres Genelet and Chris Anka mm-hmm. and Walden Wong. <laughs> they don't forget who's in the background mm. and by that i mean like whenever there's a conversation in the foreground yeah if there's a character or characters in the back mm. they have their own little arc going on cool like jib survives off of eating the souls of the living cool <laughs> and that's, and that's so, nothing wrong with that right and good, and that's good friend material that's how their entire race um survives and sure. so that's what they were going to do to earth kind yeah. of thing and so they haven't figured out how to give him any sort of sustenance Ugh. that doesn't involve killing. <laughs> Seems like a problem. Um, yeah. And so whenever he's in the background, he like he has summoned the strength to stand. But like every cell, he gets a little more slumped over. Aww. And it's the most tragic like well, side I, story to yeah. follow. <laughs> but like um, it's just little things like that where they always make sure something is just happening in the background. It's cool. so interesting. That's awesome. Um, I really appreciate that about her or about like this writer yeah. or these writers. No, it's just the writer, but these artists. Yeah. Um, there you go. So like in the back, he's just slumping more and more. Oh, so like he starts here, just keeps on slumping. Like they don't need to show that because the next scene, they're not even there anymore. Right. But like, but it's, it's just little things like that. It, and it's a way to establish a subplot without giving it a ton of screen time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in, instead of just like having like a two-page scene of dialogue, you can just let the reader know that this is happening, like literally in the background, right? While the main story continues. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's really cool. I I really like what they're doing. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so I was I was happily surprised with Runaways, and I feel bad for thinking it was going to be bad. <laughs> and the the only other book I read was Doctor Strange: Surgeon Supreme, which I was super anxious for. Yeah, yeah. Because you have Doc Strange making a deal with a demon, right, to reconstruct his hands at the molecular level, 
(laughs) last last book and so now he's like well my hands are back so i can be a surgeon again if i want to right (sighs) and so i've always tussled with should he (laughs) yeah but so in this it kind of works uh basically he he has a deal set up with the hospital of i will keep my two lives separate yeah and I'm not on staff. Just call me in when there's a procedure that no one else can do. Oh. Because he is still the world's number one neurosurgeon. Right. And so if something comes up that only I can do, bring me in. Because he has... I mean, Strange is interesting to me in that it's superheroing. He's not a superhero. Right. He, He has a fucking job. Like, he has responsibilities. Like, if he doesn't clock in... (laughs) <laughs> and just and just keep sort of the all of the bad juju magic stuff yeah that's out there like it's just going to pop over and start just ruining people's lives yeah so it's interesting obviously part of the story is going to be juggling the two lives but they generally kept it pretty separate okay and it was compelling because i told you about he has the forge now he's got the mystic forge so basically, story arc was this dwarf telling Stephen Strange, just like, yeah, you have this like wand of a tomb. You've got the the bow. Oh, you know the, you know, the staff of the Eternal. All of the but, the spells of other people. Yeah. where is you where, creating? Where's what? the tool of Stephen Strange? Yeah, uh, that is cool, right? So he has this forge now, which he calls the. Uh, Sanctum Machina or Machina or however you okay. want to pronounce it. Yeah. And it's locked away in another dimension and he's been collecting all these mystic materials from all over the place. The first thing he built for himself is a scalpel. Cool. Right? <laughs> uh, That's perfect. Yeah. And so he has this like mystical scalpel that can cut through anything magic or otherwise. He can go there and go and, you know, build things as he needs them. And so in this book, he goes and builds his second thing that we've seen him build, which are gloves. <laughs> uh, cool. They're these magic gloves that basically um, can withstand all things magic, like a magic attack kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so he comes across the Wrecker um, mm-hmm. from the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. And the Wrecker has a new weapon. A new crowbar okay. that is thoroughly magic-infused. So his old crowbar was Asgardian magic, and his new crowbar is just straight magic. And it has upped his powers, uh, he's just destroying things, and he lets it out that he's been hired to do this. And so he just messes <laughs> Strange up because he catches him off guard. And so Strange goes back to his sanctum to forge these gloves because he's not going to be able to fight Wrecker head on. So basically he's going to make it so he can catch the crowbar and wrestle it from his hands. Mm. As soon as he does, finds out that the crowbar has an enchantment on it that once it's separated from the wielder, it disintegrates. And he takes a look at some of the dust that's been left over and finds out that some of the material used to build this crowbar can only be found in his forge. Oh. And he's like, what the hell, man? Yeah. And so he comes across more weapons made from material only from his forge. So he has somebody who is messing with him and trying to get rid of Strange for whatever reason. We don't know yet. Yeah. And he goes and deals with that. 
we find out in the fifth issue who it is, and we resolve it by the sixth issue because that's how Marvel rolls. Of course, yeah. They build up for four and a half issues, they reveal the baddie in the fifth issue, and then it all gets resolved in one issue. Yeah. I don't like that formula, but it is what it is. The baddie ends up being Madame Mask, which is really weird. Interesting. Um, I don't really think of her as a natural antagonist for Strange. Neither do I. So, and we go into why. Oh, I'm sorry. One other, so one baddie that he goes across, comes across, um, that is also alluding to somebody pulling the strings kind of thing, is this guy who got a tattoo and he's now just aging super fast. He's 19. He looks like he's 90. Okay. And um, the, d- don't get tattoos, kids. Right? So Especially not Will. I can't. So they bring him in, and, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And he he has this magical tattoo that is siphoning off his life force. Strange looks at the tattoo, tracks the magic, and goes to the realm that the magic is being sent to. Uh-huh. So he goes to this two-dimensional world. And the baddie of this dimension is like this life vampire. And he goes into it and explains how art instills emotion and inspires people. And that's its own kind of magic. And so basically art is a different form of magic. Mm. And so this entire 2D realm, everything that's in it is filled with tattoos that exist that are attached to this guy and that he is siphoning off across the world and pulling their life force to like <laughs> he's like he's like a life force vampire interesting um huh. but yeah just the idea of tattoos and art being its own kind of magic was really interesting yeah um and i hope that that gets used more he he messed him up but um <laughs> strange messed him up right but uh i hope i hope they don't forget that that was a thing mm-hmm. it was super cool yeah uh, yeah i control the second dimension and why not? It's full of drawings, and drawings have power. Tattoos especially. Doesn't matter the style. Ta, Moko, Yantra, Yakuza, even Trash Polka. Uh, <laughs> tattoos are symbols to thirders. They have meaning, which is just another way of saying they have magic. Cool. And so, oh yeah, his name is Stigmata. <laughs> okay. He's like, I've been spending my time harvesting humans up in three space so I can feast <laughs> on their souls here. And he just looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. And so I really, I really hope they use him again. Awesome. Um... But yeah, just the, this idea of the second dimension, or art dimension, basically. That is awesome. Yeah. I'm into that. Oh, and then, so we get introduced to, I forget the, the position, but like the head of the hospital. Okay. Is, I have to give you the real name. Because <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. Sure. <laughs> um, is it like Dr. Hospital or something? No. Anthony Ludgate. Okay. Same as Anthony Ludgate, who is Dr. Druid. Oh. Right? Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, one, he's dead. So, he's not supposed to be here. Two, Dr. Druid is a former disciple of the Ancient One. He is a former Avenger. He is the father of Druid, right. who was one of the Secret Warriors. Right. And, he's yeah. He struck me as a little creepy. Yeah, he's kind of just... designed to be, to just look creepy. Yeah. He's got the pointed beard that flows into a fan of a hair. Right. And as he gets older, he gets more and more bald. Right, just yeah. his side hair. He gets the, the, the pointy 60s, 70s marble hair. Exactly. He spent a lot of his time doing the druid thing, and so he's very... So his magic is very plant-based. Okay. Um, and so, but it, now it's kind of at the point where there's not a whole lot of difference between 
Doctor Druid and what we have is Richter in Donna. In the oh Donuts. yeah, both magic based, natural, naturopathy sort of. Yeah, yeah. So naturopathy not like, is not the right word. It's there. not, but when <laughs> plantopathy. But um, they, they're never going to cross paths, so yeah. it's not a conversation that needs to be had. Uh huh. But it could be had. <laughs> they could just sit there and nature at each other. Yeah. So Strange is like, I thought you were dead. And Druid is like, yeah, me too. And he goes, how are you here? He goes, I don't know. And they're like, okay, put a pin in that. We're going to have right. to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he helps on the adventure to go and find out who's been messing with Strange. Because the straw that broke the camel's back is somebody took a demon, put a hex on the demon's brain and disguised it as a human, sent it to the hospital. And it now has an enchantment on its brain that as soon as a scalpel touches it, it'll explode and take out the entire building. Cool. And so Steven is pissed because somebody brought magic to the hospital and he's been trying to keep them separate. Oh. Um, and he needs he needs Ludgate to assist him in this because as soon as they're trying to figure out who this person is and so he's diving in and as soon as he got close there was another hex that was pulling the scalpel in to try to and explode it it was a whole six pages <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it was super interesting anyway so they got involved they find out that they track some leads and they find out that it's that it's madame mask whitney frost yeah who is villain obsessed and in love with Tony Stark. And the last time we saw Madame Mask, she was trying to defeat Tony and get him to love her. And she has since realized that you can't beat Tony Stark with technology. Sure. So she's going the occult direction. Oh, um, okay. So she got introduced to the occult idea in the last volume of Invincible Iron Man. Okay. And then it took... Iron Man, Strange, and Doctor Doom to beat her. Because, one, she was out of her league, and two, because Iron Man writers wrote Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom. <laughs> so, the, if all you know is that they're these very powerful sorcerers, they're going to be your scapegoat. There you are. Yeah. yeah, so, you probably didn't need both of them, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. And so, now we come across Whitney, who is in this other dimension, the Infinite Bazaar, selling off... All of this stuff that she has stolen from Strange's forge. And then Strange is like, I know Mask, there's no way she would sell all these without a kill switch. And so he takes his astral form, gets inside her body, and finds out what the kill switch is, does the kill switch. And it destroys all of the weapons that she has pilfered. And so now Mask is on the run from every customer that she's had since she's done the occult thing. Right. And so... Now she's gone, and Strange is back, and the next thing he's going to do is deal with Dr. Druid, I think. We'll see. Okay. He also has an assistant who has photographic memory and is a fanboy of Dr. Strange. Sweet. As a first volume, how does this feel as far as like kicking off a storyline or a status quo for the characters? It seemed like this one's gonna gonna stick or, or gonna like develop interest in an interesting way, or is this kind of feel like it's set its piece? I feel like this will go for maybe three years, 
Three years. Okay. So six so, volumes. Yeah, like five or six volumes. Okay. And, then, and then I think something's going to happen where he can't work anymore. Like, he can't right. be a surgeon anymore. Yeah. I don't think they're going to destroy his hands again. Oh, yeah. But destroy his legs this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't I don't think they're going to continue to have him be a, a surgeon and a sorcerer supreme. Yeah. There's going to be the climax of the story of this arc is going to be having to choose between one of the two. Right. That's what I assume. Yeah. Cool. We'll see. It'd be funny if he chose being a surgeon and it's like, well, oh my gosh, yeah, you, right. That's just not very interesting for us to, to, to make a comic <laughs> out of. So I guess you're. you're yeah. Out. Well, yeah, because, I mean, we have plenty of other candidates for Sorcerer Supreme That's true. on Earth. And also, like, Strange, he hasn't had a very solid publication record. I mean, like, he's really popped in and out of, of having his own title over the years. That, and I feel bad because, like, Doctor Strange is very much, like, for lack of a better term, the authority on magic in Marvel. Yeah. But, like, when they do a storyline where something is destroying all of magic. Yeah. And to the point where there's no magic left and they have to start from scratch. Yeah. But then you, at the same time, you're putting out Scarlet Witch and <laughs> she's doing also magic. Oh, uh-huh. It's like, well, then. you guys don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that you already got the green light to do a Scarlet Witch title. Right. And so you, you have to do something. Right. You have, you like, have to, you have to have a, uh, a tie-in for both. WandaVision and <laughs> Multiverse of Madness at the same time. Well, this well, this was way before that. This, oh, okay. this was this was a few years ago. Sure, but like that was the last Doctor Strange run with Bachalo. Um, oh, oh, as the artist. Have, I um, bet he was a lot of fun. On yeah, and it was a really good story, and it was the Empirical, and they come from a galaxy where science won. And oh, okay. So they got rid of all magic and replaced everything with science. Yeah, science and tech. And that was a cool idea. And so they're going around and tracking down with tech. They have like a they have like a dragon radar, but for magic. And they're going and destroying all the things that have any magic imbued in them. And it takes Stephen Strange and all the other magic users on Earth to fight them off. Okay. But in doing so, there's a good like two years worth of Doctor Strange books where there's just no magic. And like he had to go and find tools that had very little magic left in them and he had to he had to use them sparingly and once he used it once like it's gone and like he couldn't cast spells anymore because there's no magic to to draw from and like that was a whole thing but then this was before secret wars and so like since the rebuilding right right i also (laughs) feel like just just in general for having bachalo i feel like dr strange more than most is traditionally a title that's carried largely by its art yeah you know you think of like the yeah the long ago like steve ditko era or, yeah. or some of the other you know where it's just like these guys are just dropping acid and <laughs> just drawing crazy shit yeah and, and that's sort of like a really foundational element to the character is just wild wild visuals right the way the way that Stephen strange sees the world is very unique yeah and, and how you can show that is right and, so and much just fun. yeah the the magical worlds that he traverses through yeah and so i think dr strange has had titles that worked but they're they don't seem to be respected by the rest of 616 mm, okay so it's, it's, yeah it's kind of tough anything else you read um no that's that i just finished dr strange today um (laughs) just just 10 minutes ago on the park pretty much 10 um, minutes before we started yeah 
and then after that, I have some future fight reading, and and then some Thor stuff, some Asgardians. So okay. I'm excited about that. Sweet. You looking at these under the giant pile of Immortal Hulk books that you're gonna throw at me? Shove down your throat. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, well, my my reading for this week was also very very brief. I read an arc of X Factor that was kind of bookended by a couple of specials. One about Sabretooth called Back to Nature, and the other about Wolverine called Shadows and Light. So I'll start with Sabretooth Back to Nature. Um, this was a story. It's just kind of like mostly outside continuity. And it's Wild Child and Sabretooth in X Factor compound after they faked their deaths. And somebody that Wild Child dated years and years ago when he was in the Alpha Flight sort of titles area. Oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure I don't don't have internet right now, so I can't blow your mind with it. Do we not know Wild Child's name either? We do know Wild Child's okay. name. Uh <laughs> I was going to say he was, he'd been a character longer than Sabretooth, but I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> you going to look that up while I talk? Yeah. Yeah. Because my first exposure to him as a kid was in Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, me too. And I just thought he was like, and then they, they brought him over to X Factor because he was a character in Age of Apocalypse. Um, oh my gosh. First appearance, August 1983. 83, okay. Full introduction was Alpha Flight 11, 10 issues later. Okay. So Sabretooth was a character, but he was a, an Iron Fist villain by then. He had not crossed the X-Men at all. None of his history with Wolverine or any of that had yeah. been revealed. He was just, uh, for all anybody knew, a guy in a cat costume That's who hilarious. who did, you know, kung fu exploitation and black exploitation. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, first appearance, Iron Fist 14 in August 77. Yeah. It's wild, isn't it? That's insane. They just had no idea. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so that's uh, hoping to blow your mind with this time. Anyway, so they, the two of them didn't have any connection at all until they were both part of X Factor together during this sort of era. Huh. And the whole thing, so somebody that Kyle Wildchild used to either date or, or something know back in the day. She gets killed by this Russian ex-KGB hitman kind of guy. And he and his brother, who's also a hitman, are just like wandering around Canada, killing people in grotesque and brutal ways. And this apparently is somebody that Sabretooth knew back from his CIA days. He's, as soon as he heard, like, oh, they were chopped up into little pieces <laughs> Sabretooth's like yeah that's chop chop we all know chop chop oh my gosh yeah <laughs> is this really chop chop this is really yeah okay cool yeah <laughs> i mean he has you know like a a russian name or whatever like right. he calls him the other thing first and he's like they also know him as chop chop so cool bud <laughs> excellent yeah the the whole thing is just this sort of tension between Sabretooth and kyle Sabretooth's like you're a killer man you're going to go and you're going to kill these guys. And Wild Child's like, no, I'm not. Stop calling me pup. Shut up. And he doesn't kill him. That's that's the whole thing. That's that's it. that's all you need to know. That's the whole story. Yeah. Art was great. Beautiful coloring. Yeah. Uh, nothing really else of note. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, sorry. There was one big other thing of note. 
I lied. The whole time, and a little bit in the X-Factor proper title too, Sabretooth has been trying to build up his pain tolerance to the, the collar around his neck. X-Factor's been using this sort of collar to curb Creed's homicidal impulses. Keep him from just like killing them all on the spot. He has this uh, this collar that'll just like zap him with enough electricity to knock him out if he tries to like mm. kill anybody. If it like recognizes the you know hormone levels and the blah 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 something to dopamine whatever. Yeah, science techy stuff. Yeah, whatever. It also does it if he tries to take off the collar. So he'll like kind of pull on the collar for a little bit and it'll see how long he can take uh, getting zapped okay and then it turns out the real reason that Sabretooth wanted to hunt these guys down is because they are pillheads essentially like they just carry around these super powerful painkiller pills hmm. and during the fight or when they capture him or whatever he just lifts you know just a handful of pills off the guy's body and he's gonna use this to escape ah uh. And so the next part that I read was the arc of X-Factor where he takes the pills and escapes. Boom. And my first note on this arc is just, arg. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the whole plot. He, he gets free and disembowels everybody. Oh. That took two issues for some reason. But, uh, okay. <laughs> including slicing open Shard, who's made of light. A purely photonic energy being. He slices her with her claws and she's like, ah, I'm pixelating. And then disappears. Who's she? Bishop's sister. I didn't know she was light. Well, she wasn't initially. Oh, okay. Because that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what her powers were. Mm. So in the XSE title, you get the backstory. But she died on a mission with the XSE. And Bishop's like, no, it's my fault. And he takes her to The Witness, a character in, in his timeline named The Witness or LeBeau, who has red eyes and is rumored to be the last person to see X-Men, the X-Men alive uh, and speaks with a Cajun accent. Oh, hey. And so this was like the whole reason for why. So Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> so when Bishop goes back to the past... He's like, hey, this guy Gambit. <laughs> Fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. Okay. Uh, okay. So it, 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 I guess on a tangent, it ended up being a cool bait and switch. I mean, a little bit like silly and obvious. Like they built it up to be too obvious to be Gambit. And so it couldn't right. be Gambit. But at least they didn't do the obvious thing. And that the traitor storyline was um, Xavier via Onslaught and not Gambit, and then Gambit's dark secret, which made everybody think he was the traitor, was this whole mutant massacre mutant business. Massacre, yeah. yeah. Cool. There's a new witness now, by the way. Oh, is there? Yeah. Nick Fury Sr. is the witness, and he lives on the blue area of the moon, because Uatu's dead. Right. Uatu got killed in the backstory of... Gosh, what is Original that? Sin? Original Sin. Yeah. And ever since Original Sin, where Nick Fury Sr., with one sentence, and I'm sorry, with three words, yeah, made Thor unworthy of the hammer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of that, he becomes called the witness. Okay. 
and he's in a giant cloak and he has a glowing eye. Okay. And he doesn't speak. And he recruited a one-time arc of the Exiles. Oh, okay. Let's see. The rest of the arc of this X-Factor run is... So Val Cooper takes all of the X-Factor members and brings them to a hospital. And is like, you're going to fix these guys up now? And they do. Uh, And... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, And Sabretooth runs off to kill this little kid mutant who is destiny's grandson or great nephew or something like that uh and then this guy named stone interferes with them and val cooper and her ex-husband have a bunch of very cliched dialogue and then (laughs) havoc and his brotherhood show up to help out x factor one okay one thing that's very noticeably missing from x factor in this whole time is Operation Zero Tolerance. Because Operation Zero Tolerance is a government program about, you know, hunting down and killing mutants. Right. And X-Factor just left government employment because they found out that the government was trying to hunt down and kill mutants. But the program that they left over was not Operation Zero Tolerance. It was the Hound Program. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And, And you'd think, like, okay, like... X-Factor is, like, delving into this sort of, like, shady government conspiracy world and, like, you know, this sort of X-Files-y, trust-no-one territory. Like, this would be a good way to see, you know, some of the institutional rot that would allow Operation Zero Tolerance to happen or get some sort of backstory or or idea of, of what's going on. Nope. Doesn't touch it at all. Absolutely nothing. Interesting. Yeah. That's too bad. It's just it's a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. It, it's one of those things where it's like, I want to support titles being able to do their own thing. But if you're like literally traveling the exact same path. Right. As a major How story. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and it, it doesn't help that X Factors just got awful. Like it, it's just, I hate it. Mm. So one last note on X Factor. The big government agent guy who's been sort of opposing them on the government side this whole time. Uh, his name is is Bowser. And in one of the issues here, the whole time they typoed his name as Browser. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the introduction of autocorrect. Which makes me wonder if they were both correct and his full name is Bowser Browser. right like how they did that for banner right yeah robert bruce banner yeah because they called him robert once once in one issue yeah it was like issue four yeah they could oh my gosh it works whatever yeah the next one was so this wolverine special called shadows and light it's actually a really short story uh i think shadows and light was like a, a large collection anthology that marvel put out in all black and white hence the name shadows and light oh, okay and it was like stories for wolverine and dracula and captain marvel and doctor strange uh-huh. and they all look i i i only read the wolverine one i just kind of flipped through the other the art's really cool you know they all these characters work really well in black and white it was really cool to flip through but the the wolverine title he is i'm sorry the name of the story the spoon job? Yeah. Yeah, let's not. 
<laughs> Wolverine spoons somebody. The spoon job. It's actually it's a like really a it's it's a really cool sort of action short. And it's this uh, Hydra spy has developed a poison that kills people with healing factors. The whole thing is him running away, you know, just like trying to get on a cab to the subway to an airport to another country after delivering the poison to Wolverine. And he's he basically he he's, there's something like we found out that the next generation of super soldiers is, you know, that S.H.I.E.L.D. is working on is going to have healing factors. So in order to make sure that this, you know, our countermeasure works, we need a test subject. And we're testing it out on Wolverine. But, you know, Wolverine's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole thing is, is him just trying to escape. And it's just a really cool sort of, yeah, just full on action short of this sort of... Uh, chase and paranoia scene and the art absolutely gorgeous by an artist and also written by um same same person creator named john paul leone who uh passed away recently so oh. r.i.p to him mm-hmm. it's really and he also did the art for further adventures of cyclops and phoenix which i really liked oh. that was the um sinister in the 1800s right yeah so that was Wolverine Shadows and Light. And then I got through a few issues of Alpha Flight. So I don't know why they're doing another Alpha Flight title. I read all of the first volume. I also don't know why I did that. Conceptually. So, okay, to, to that point, why do you feel like you need to read Alpha Flight if you're doing Newtons? That's why I'm probably going to end up skipping it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Because uh, it was in my pack, ah. was the just like I read the whole first one because it it was coming out from like eighty one to ninety one or something like that. And it's like, well, there's only you know two to four titles, <laughs> so they go quickly. You know, I can just sort of skim and breeze through these. And it was it it's just one of those things where Alpha Flight. It went on for a really long time, and it never had much of a coherent direction. Like, it was changing creators constantly. And so, it'd be like, okay, uh, it's this team who's led by Guardian. Oh, Guardian's dead. Okay. Uh, Heather, Vindicator, you're the, uh, you're the leader now. And, you know, you're going through this long arc of, of learning confidence and, and trusting yourself as, as a superhero and as a leader. And that was cool. That was a cool arc. But it's like, okay... Puck is your love interest. Oh, no, never mind. We don't like that. Madison, Madison Jeffries is your love interest. Ed, you remember Madison Jeffries? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doc Nemesis. No, Madison no. Jeffries is the techno. The tech, the, yeah. The, the techno path. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, yeah. like, you're the love interest. They almost got married. And then it's like, uh, yeah, no, never mind. We're going to have Madison Jeffries with Diamond Lil. We're going to bring Guardian James McDonald Hudson, we're going to bring Mac back. They're going to be a thing. They they kind of lampshade this here. Uh, Puck still holds a candle for Heather, but he's like, you know, buried it real deep. And he gets this mysterious phone call or voicemail that something is up with Mac, something weird. And he uses it as an excuse to get in touch with, with Heather, who is working as a flower arranger. <laughs> 
which seems like a an odd career choice after superhero government agent. Yeah. But you know, teach their own. <laughs> and so there's this conversation they're having uh, at a pub, and she says, "I mean." I'd love to be given a chance to just start over from the beginning with Mac, but that can't happen. Life has changed. And Puck says, yeah, well, we've certainly seen our share of that, eh? Mac's dead. Mac's alive. Mac's half-alien robot. <laughs> Walt's Sasquatch. Walt's a man. Walt's a monster. Walt's dead. Walt's a woman. Walt's a man again. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so that really just goes to show how just, just shit just happened. In, in Alpha Flight, they're constantly changing creators, constantly changing team members. It's like I, it's I, all over the place. I don't know what there is to hold on to. Like I don't like I don't know what you would go and make a second volume about because the first it's hard even after 125 issues. I, I really and I read them all. I couldn't <laughs> tell you what that was about. Uh. <laughs> you know, except that they're in Canada and sometimes they work for the government, although not often. And they get disbanded every 20 issues. <laughs> so, yeah, in this, so it's a guardian who the, the thing about him is that in order to undo him being a, a half alien robot, which was the last sort of status quo resurrection for him, they apparently, he, he had a near death experience with Wolverine when he was 19 years old, which doesn't make any sense because... He was much older than that when he first met Wolverine. But anyway, because Wolvie's in, like, the full costume, and he has his adamantium, and, like, they didn't, like, meet up until Mac was well into his 30s, and, like, you know. It's not like it was some guy in a jacket that ended up being Wolverine. No, no, it was full costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently when that happened, when Mac was apparently 19 years old, he signed some papers that let the let the government make like a backup of him and so they restored him to his backup copy of 19 years old <laughs> All right. and and so like he doesn't remember heather like every four pages is like but mac what about us i'm i'm your wife you know, what about our our life together? Like, we have to talk about us in the future. And Max, like, I was briefed on all that, but like, I don't. I was briefed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know you, lady, and I don't care. Oh and then she just like won't let it go. So he's in it. She's in it. They in order because after he died the first time, she took over his suit or a different suit that was based on his suit or something. So she had the exact same powers that he had. Mm. This sort of like electro-magnet-powered suit zappy thing going on. And I think that's the official term. Um, But in this, they give her a new suit with new powers, and she has control over thermal vents and energies, and sort of like a volcanic, seismic, uh, thermo-steam type thing. She doesn't know what it is or how to control it, and she's very distrustful of it. The whole tone of the whole book is like, Again, like X-Factor, government conspiracies, <laughs> shadowy figures, you know, they've got this government handler who, like, repeatedly drugs them and takes away their memories, and, like, there's, like, bad stuff going on. You know, I might be talking myself into actually finishing reading this arc. <laughs> uh, can't be any worse than X-Factor. Uh, and then there's Puck, who his only characteristic right now is that he still loves Heather, 
Uh, there's Madison Jeffries, who gets abducted by their villains in the very first issue. So he's out of the picture. Sasquatch, after his appearance in Deadpool, Deadpool number one, uh, the sort of gamma base in Antarctica, he has gone completely feral, animalistic. There's no person there left, and he's just like a growling, screaming monster. It, but this is separate from that possession that turned him into like the Sasquatch of legend? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. I mean, maybe. They haven't ex- explained anything of it yet. Okay. And then there's a bunch of new members. One of them, Murmur, is sort of keeping him in check. She she has a very outrageous French accent, like Quebecois accent. And she can control, like has mind control over anybody she touches. Oh, interesting. Which I don't understand why her, because Purple Girl was a regular Alpha Flight member in the first volume. And it's like you already have a character that that does does that does does exactly that (laughs) why introduce a new one but they did and then there's these brothers radius and flex radius has a force field i was showing you the one cool thing he (laughs) he picks a lock by expanding the force field around a a strand of his hair that's cool that was kind of cool flex has sort of uh, i don't know if you remember from wildcats the guy um Warblade or whatever his name was, who can like turn his hands into yeah. like metal. He had the green ponytail. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He has those powers. He can turn his hands into slicey things. Okay. And Radius is very like cocky, and he'll just like show up and be like, "Yeah, I saved the day," because like I'm a cool dude, whatever. Murmur is always trying to hook up with him, and he's like, "I can't let anybody near. I, I have a, I have a force field." Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> And, I have a force field around my heart. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And Flex is, um, he just sucks. Cool. Like, he doesn't know how to do anything, and he's very scared. And then uh, they, Sunfire shows up, and these same government handlers are like, yeah, the radiation from your powers is killing you. So in the third issue, he's, like, undergoing these tests, and the senior members are, like, off on a mission of, like, this sort of weird house that young people with superpowers are being brought up in to be controlled by the government later. And so they're all off on mission because they don't trust the junior members because they all suck. (laughs) Oh, and there's also this guy named Manbot. We know nothing about him except his all his dialogue is, like, were, click. uh, Oh, yeah. uh, You know Manbot? He, um... Superior Spider-Man used him. Oh, okay. As a personal butler. And then he used him to upload a copy of himself into the bot. He looks like a giant slot machine. Yeah, I just see him as... There's, like, a face, like a human-sized face, and then, like, two giant legs, like, shoulders and legs coming straight out of them. And... (laughs) And, like, sometimes there's a gun pointing out of him. Yeah. And he just says, like, we're click, investigate, yeah. it, like, execu- executing program. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how Otto Octavius got a hold of him, but... I don't... I, I've read three issues with him. I know nothing about him beyond that. I wasn't under the impression that he had... Anything? Um, yeah. Okay. But he's got less personality than Herbie <laughs> of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> sure, okay. So, he's just... From Superior Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man afterwards, he's just a robot that does what you ask. Okay. 
Sure. So they're like, hey, the new new members like, hey, we're, we're going to bust that. They call him the samurai guy. We're going to bust him out of here. We don't want him to be a lab rat under the this uh, shady government program that we have no reason to distrust yet, even though they're really shady. But we haven't we haven't shown any personal distrust of anything that's going on. They're just like, we're going to bust this guy out. <laughs> and they get into the lab where he's being held. They're like, we're not going to let you be a lab rat the rest of your life. And Shiro's like, actually, I, like I've got these this thing with my powers. It's like <laughs> killing me. And they're like, shut up. And Murmur takes control of him, uses her powers <laughs> to override his will to bust him out. Wow. So you know that's going to be fine, I'm sure. Wow. Uh, I think it turns out they're being controlled by Mesmero the whole time, or something. Uh, it's 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 hard to it's hard to follow what's going on here. Um. There were villains that they fought. One uh, uh, renewed, like Zodiac, the guy, the character uh-huh. of Scorpio is, I think, a former Alpha Flight member, but they haven't revealed who it is yet. So if I keep reading this, I'll check back on that. That's it for Alpha Flight. But well, that was fun. Scott Lobdell retrospective next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we're we're really good at teasing specific subjects for. A month before. We <laughs> right. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's okay. 1997 isn't going anywhere. No. <laughs> yeah. How much more 97 do you have? I'm in like July, something. August, something a little bit. Yeah. I feel like you've been stuck in 97 for a minute. It's a muck. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. It's okay. It's all I, right. I mean, that said, I'm still hanging out in 2020. Right. 29. A little bit of 2019. Some 2020. I'm still catching up. <laughs> are you ever, like, is your pace of reading, like, faster than they're coming out at this point? Or are you falling further and further behind? Um, on average, I'm on pace. Okay. Some weeks, like, four or five books come out. Uh-huh. But there's been a few weeks of one and twos. Okay. So as long as I read, like, three to four books a week. Nice. I will catch up. It'll be insane if we are doing the pod and I have run out of things to read. No kidding. And also, if if we get to that point, then I'll probably have to start buying on Kindle because <laughs> uh, because Seth just doesn't follow through. Uh-huh. Like, I, I only pick up from him like once a week or once a month. Right. Well, we can also go back too. We could also go back. Yeah. I was thinking... Um, There's plenty of backstories and crossovers. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to... We can just geek out about it yeah i was thinking once i get to the grant morrison run because you never finished it that we could read that oh together. yeah yeah because i only read two of the three volumes yeah the third one where they do all the re- revelations about zorn and all that yep. yeah 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 so i gotta read that <laughs> yeah excellent one. cool all well, right then uh with that said yeah i think we're gonna put the outro music here okay all right all right good stuff good stuff man yeah.